Hello, and welcome to Educast, STEAM powered by the School District of Altoona. Educast is by educators for everyone and will focus on important educational topics. My name is Heidi Eliopoulos. I'm the superintendent for the School District of Altoona in Altoona, Wisconsin, and I'm the host of Educast. I'm joined by two very important guests. Jen Carey is a school social worker for grades 6 through 12 here in the School District of Altoona, and Kyle Runquist is the Dean of Students for grades 4 through 8 in the district. Welcome to you both, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So the roles that each of you serve in our organization are somewhat newer roles in education, at least newer in the sense that they might not have existed when some of our podcast listeners or school parents were in school. So let's begin by talking about what each of your roles are in education. How would you describe what you do to someone who maybe doesn't have a background in education? And what has been each of your professional backgrounds that led you to the point of serving in these roles? So I started out as a fourth and fifth grade teacher down in um, Fillmore Central School District in southeastern Minnesota. Um, I then went to Abu Dhabi uh, in the Middle East for a short time. Uh, I took a teaching position there but decided that it wasn't for me. Instead did some traveling. Um, My sister and her husband lived there at the time so that was helpful. Uh, I came back to the States in the spring and took a position at the Prescott School District as a fifth grade teacher. Um, while I was there, I coached a variety of sports. Uh, I also was a, an instructor for driver's ed and behind the wheel. Nice. Um, <laughs> while I was in Prescott, I decided to go back and get my principal licensure along with my curriculum and instruction license. Um, I then accepted a position at the Menominee High School and served as their dean of students for two school, two school years. Um, luckily then I had the opportunity to interview here in Altoona for my current position. Um, and that's where we are. So in terms of what is a Dean of Students, I get that question quite often. Um, I always tell people that it's similar to an assistant principal role with the exception that I do not evaluate certified staff. Um, my two big topics that I work with would be attendance and student behavior. Um, I'm a member of many teams throughout the district, including PBIS, SST, uh, along with building and district leadership teams. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to attend many grade level team meetings to help problem solve for students who might be having a hard time with either academics or behavior. Um, I serve as an LEA for multiple IEP meetings. Um, I hold a lot of parent meetings for students who maybe struggling with some attendance issues or having a hard time making consistent good decisions. Um, I have a lot of supervision roles, including in the morning during student arrival, during lunch and recess, and then during student dismissal. Um, In all, I just like to tell people that I do whatever I can to help teachers and students have successful school days. Um, And I am Jen Carey, and I am new to Altoona School District this year as the school social worker. Um, Prior to being at Altoona, I was um, a social worker with the county um, and working with law enforcement uh, for child abuse and neglect investigations. Um, Prior to that, I did graduate from UW-Madison and was a stay-at-home mom for a number of years. So I do have um, some younger kids myself. 
I would say that, um, so actually school social workers have been around since the early 1900s. Their role used to be, um, they were actually called visiting teachers and they used to go to homes and kind of bridge the gap between um, the home and the schools, which were primarily kind of um, comprised of male, white um, students at that time. And so really trying to pull in and advocate for the rights of all students back in in that time, and it's kind of carried through since. And so I think um, part of my role at Altoona um, is really to continue to bridge those gaps between um, the families that um, come here and the students and the school professionals and um, making referrals out to community providers who can best support the family really from that holistic perspective and then working with the educators and, and staff here at Altoona to um, speak to the child's needs and get to know them kind of on a personal and, and um kind of dig into why maybe students are performing or arriving or um, in the way that they are based on kind of what's going on in their background and their day-to-day lives at home. Excellent. So you both bring a lot of background experience and knowledge and training that's going to be great for this conversation. And I appreciate that. I know talking about school safety can be a really hard conversation. I've been in education quite some time and it doesn't get any easier to talk about and face the realities of school safety. It very naturally can stir up emotions in all of us. I was in one of my earliest field experiences as a sophomore in college when Columbine occurred. And I'll never forget what that felt like going back into the building um, the next day. And and so that's very natural to feel that way. And I hope we never get to a point where we become desensitized. I hope it's always shocking and tragic to us. So let's start by just naming that part of the conversation. When you see a news report about an act of school violence, big or small, what goes through your mind? I think that that's actually exactly what led me to to be hopeful to become a school social mm-hmm. worker. Um, I kind of said earlier that I have a couple young kiddos myself who are in the elementary and intermediate schools, and I remember dropping them off um, in March of this year, maybe March or April, and there was um, one of a school shooting then I believe it was the one in Tennessee and I watched them kind of get out of the car and go in without really a thought or consideration you know got their backpacks on and walked into school as if it was any other day but I remember looking at them and thinking to myself okay Jen like you have the training the skills the tools to to help in serving the the school district and the community. And so I think you need to take a leap at this time and, and be there not only for your own kids, but um, for the kids in the community that you serve in a different way than you are right now. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what led me to, to choose school social work. And I'm very thankful to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see an act of violence that may have occurred you know, anywhere within the United States or beyond, I really just think about what could our school have done differently? You know, if that were us, um, or excuse me, what could that school have done differently to decrease the chances of that act of violence actually occurring in the first place? You know, was there something that they were missing that could have been taken care of earlier? Um, and then my mind goes directly to 
the staff and the students who I work with directly every single day. Um, you know, is there more that we can be doing um, within our district to help keep everybody safe? And um, yeah, I mean, that's I, it's a little more personal, I guess, for yeah. me as well. I don't have kids school aged at this time, but um, you know, safety is first within our buildings, and I'm always thinking, what else can we do? Right. So let's start a bit with like that physical building security. We we do want our schools to be welcoming places, but we have to balance that with keeping our school buildings secure so that our students, staff, and guests are safe when they're here. Uh, in general terms, what are some steps that schools take in general to keep schools secure? Yeah, a few things that I think of when it comes to that is, first off, just making sure that we have a physically secure building. Um, we need to make sure that our exterior doors um, are locked, you know, closed throughout the day. We need to make sure that we are limiting access to those who actually have legitimate business being here in the building. Um, and we also need to make sure that we're, you know, monitoring the entrances to our buildings as well. Yeah, and um, I think one thing that's unique about being a school social worker is having that um, good collaboration with the school resource officer and the local um, law enforcement jurisdiction. So here in Altoona, that's the Altoona Police Department. I'm very thankful to have um, that good rapport and also having a school resource officer here on grounds at all time as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's really that physical security and, and knowing who's in your building and only bringing people in when they, when they need to be here for a legitimate reason. That's one aspect of school safety, ensuring that students feel emotionally and personally accepted and supported as well is also key to keeping our schools safe. So what role does these supportive relationships play in helping keep schools safe? I mean, relationships are the key. I think that lays mm-hmm. the groundwork for, for everything that we're doing. Um, everything comes back to relationships. No matter what you know, conference I go to or training that I go to, it all falls back on relationships. Um, like you said, Heidi, kids need to feel like they are liked, like they are welcomed, and they also have to feel engaged um, because if they don't feel that way, um, that's when negative things are more likely to occur. Mm-hmm. So it all comes down to the relationship relationships and just building that rapport um, with everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I think making yourself available to students. Um, I see Mr. Runquist and Mr. Buss and um, the administrators at the high school level, um, Becky Bauer and Chad Hansen, really putting themselves out there on a daily basis, being outside the building, welcoming the students in, being in the hallways. Um, one thing that was remarkable to me when I started is the teachers and staff literally line the school hallways in the morning saying good morning a million times to the students and just sort of that atmosphere and that expectation that staff are going to be available to students and, and welcoming them in, um, is something that made me very thankful to be here as well. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, with our students and their supportive relationships with adults and with staff and with each other, um, having all students feel accepted and welcome is one part of it. It also contributes to an increased likelihood that if a student does have a concern at school, they're going to feel more comfortable approaching a staff member and sharing their concern, which could lead to looking into, you know, when working with youth, there, there might be those occasions when a student makes a threatening comment. How does school personnel wade through what is or isn't considered a genuine threat of harm towards a person or school? You know, this year we have started to utilize something called the Threat Assessment. Um, It's a resource through the Wisconsin Department of Justice. Um, Prior to getting to using that resource, if a teacher is unsure of whether, you know, a, a threat is credible or genuine, they should come to the office and just let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what we heard. Here's who said it. Um, chances are we we know the student, um, so that plays a little bit of a role in it. But at the same time, we still want to move forward with our our process. So, um, with the threat assessment through the Wisconsin Department of Justice, it's it includes three different phases. Um, the first phase is really just interviewing the kid who um, potentially made you know the comment uh, or the threat. So interview that student. You want to interview the student who received the comment or threat. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also interview parents, teachers. Uh, once we've had those interviews, we, the team, usually made up of um, probably myself, school resource officer, or the building principal, we then determine you know, whether that threat has a low risk, medium risk, or high risk. Um, if it is a low risk, we can jump right to phase three and determine what we need to do with that student. If it is a medium or, or high risk, we move into phase two. Um, so it's a resource that we are using that uh, I know I have not um, used in the past that I think, you know, helps us really filter through the comments, you know, an emotional outburst comment or if it's actually a legit genuine concern. So um, looking forward to utilizing that resource this year. Yeah, and the only thing that I would add to that is really just that, no tolerance um, level that the district seems to maintain and does maintain with um, taking things very seriously. And so I think the follow through, and actually I know that the follow through is there and staff take things to heart when it doesn't matter what type of a comment is said. Absolutely. And and so like you're referring to a genuine threat still is it's not tolerated in schools. And sometimes I think there's a misunderstanding about that, even though we take the extra steps to uh, differentiate or understand truly if a student said a threat or poses a threat, we try to wade through that. A genuine threat still is not something we can tolerate. We still have to put um, student and school safety ahead of everything else. And students, the, the harsh reality is students can be expelled for a threat of violence against a school. However, the way schools address other behaviors that deviate from our expectation has changed a little more over time. Today, we use more restorative practices than we might have used in the past. What are restorative practices and why and how are they used in school settings? I know I personally work a lot with restorative approaches in my current role. Um, Restorative practices are a proactive approach to address negative behavior as well as a reactive approach. Uh, Proactively, we can use these practices to build genuine, healthy relationships between students um, as well as students and teachers. 
you know, this is something that includes creating classroom norms as a whole, not just a teacher creating the norms for the class. Uh, a lot of community building by u- utilizing a concept that we call circles, uh, really just focusing on building that rapport along with a culture of community and high expectations for all. So that's really on the proactive side of restorative practices. Um, on the more reactive side, this is where it's more commonly used to repair harm that might have been caused between two students or a student and an educator. Um, the purpose is really to bring both parties together, f- hear both perspectives, and repair harm that might have been caused. Um, we have a series of questions that we ask students um, when a situation does occur, really just to get them, give them a chance to reflect on what took place, you know, how they were feeling during the event, what they thought about since it occurred, what do they have to do now to make things right. Um, we utilize a lot of behavior reflection forms, um, some apology letters when needed, restorative conferences with students and students and teachers, amongst a, a variety of other things. Um, we know that some of the more traditional or punitive consequences alone are not effective. Um, they alone do not fix or change the behavior, but we feel like these sort of approaches or responses paired with some of those more traditional approaches uh, are much more effective. All right. So we had we had talked a bit about, um, you know, if, if a student has a concern or they're worried, they can come to an, an adult, they can come to any staff members, uh, administrators and teachers want to be very available to our students to bring forward their concerns if they hear a threatening comment or have any worries about school safety. Um, however, we uh, also know that uh, the the really tough perspective is that for any act of school violence, there's victims or there's targets of the threat, there's victims of violence, but there are also planners and enactors of the violence. And that's really tough to think about. But the enactors of school violence are actually usually someone's child as well. Are there things that parents should be aware of among their own children? And what should they do if they have any concerns at all about things they're noticing about their children and wondering if if, if their child could uh, perhaps be um, thinking about something that could car- cause harm to others? Yeah, I think definitely having those open and honest communication with your children at home, um, kind of being that fearless leader in your home to ask those sensitive questions, um, even if maybe it's not on your child's radar, just um, opening that good line of communication. And certainly um, something that's also been remarkable to me since I started here at the district is parents reaching out proactively for their mm-hmm. child and saying, hey, you know, we had th- such and such an event happen or we had this loss or a death or whatever it might be. Um, and, and so that really gives the, the staff here the heads up that says, okay, my child might be struggling. And then we kind of have this handle with care process for those students whereby staff um, are checking in, you know, regularly with that child and just at minimum keeping eyes and ears open for them should something um, be needed by them. 
I think you said it perfectly, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's kind of circle all of these last points together. Um, uh, Jen, you had talked about parents reaching out with ways that the schools can support their child. And Kelly, you had talked about restorative practices and how we use those to actually improve the student actual behavior. And sometimes they're paired with punitive consequences as well. When I hear all of these pieces, it makes me think that once upon a time, we looked at high school graduation as the finish line for students. We supported students meeting the graduation requirements, almost maybe like a checklist at times. We called their name, they walked across the stage, we shook their hand and we wished them well. We now see graduation as the starting line, and we focus on helping students discover and prepare for what they plan to come next after graduation. How are things like restorative practices and coming to staff for adults with concerns, uh, students practicing emotional regulation, how are they not only student skills, but skills that will help students for their futures beyond high school graduation? Yeah, I know when we're working with students uh, on their behavior, we try to, you know, make it as relevant or real world as we can. Um, they need to understand that, you know, that they need to be able to keep their emotions in check if they want to be successful mm-hmm. after graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, chances are they will work with somebody eventually that they maybe don't like all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they need to be able to keep their emotions in check so they don't make a comment or potentially even use physical aggression. Um, If they would, chances are they're not going to have that job for very long. um, And there could be some other legal implications uh, that follow that as well. So, you know, when we talk with kids about their behavior, it's just really being transparent. It's being very realistic, um, trying to get them to think beyond today or beyond tomorrow. You know, if you did this, what would that look like in adulthood? So that's the approach that we take. And I think starting that really young in the elementary school, I know junior achievement comes and talks to the second and third graders. I remember my daughter coming home and saying, mom, I learned about money management. I was like, teach (laughs) me everything you know, (laughs) you know, but, um, and that carries through all the way to the middle and high school as well. I think that the school counselors here on staff do an amazing job about really introducing students very early on and very young um, to what, you know, what the potential is for them uh, beyond high school graduation. And so they're touring those campuses or they're going to CBTC or they're getting that real world experience with apprenticeships. And that is something that I think Altoona just really beautifully offers to students um, within the district as well. Absolutely. So you both are parents in addition to being educators. What would you want other parents or community members to know about how school, how safe schools are or aren't today? Uh, One thing that comes to mind when I think safety and, you know, what parents should know, it's important for parents to just really be aware of their child's technology. we, we do allow students to have phones here at school, although they shouldn't be on them during the school day. Um, I don't think a lot of parents are aware of some of the social media sites that students are a part of and who they're communicating with on those platforms. Um, I also think about online video games. Um, I work with a number of students who are big time gamers, um, and they also can be playing with somebody from 
across the state, across the country, whatever it might be. And sometimes there are issues that arise um, because of that as well. So I think it's just really important for parents to be aware of those things, really checking in, you know, on those items as well. And also just being aware of who their child is spending their time with, Mm -hmm. um, whether that be in the building during the school day or after school on the weekends. Um, There's a number of parents who are not aware of who their son or daughter are spending time with, and they're very surprised when we're having these meetings and we're having some of those conversations. So just check in on your child more often. Um, Mm -hmm. It's okay to monitor that a little bit more closely. Yeah, great advice. Yeah. And then I've always just been a big proponent of child safety really is community safety. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it takes a whole conglomeration of people to come together to really stand for safety within a community, within a school, within your home. Um, And so I I don't think that there's enough people that can stand up for the safety of schools and for the the betterment of of child futures. 100%. That is an excellent point to wrap us up on. Today on EDUCAST, we have been talking to two staff members who play key roles in helping to keep our schools and students safe. Jen Carey is a school social worker, and Kyle Runquist is a dean of students. You both have shared some really important insights and advice. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely.